0: Hello, welcome back, and happy summer from the Stop Stressing Me Out podcast. We had to take a little unscheduled break um, for sort of a little family emergency. Fear not, everyone is okay. Just took a couple weeks to process, but we are back. And this week, we are back with... um, You know, an episode that I think, honestly, a lot of parents probably could have used last week or the week before, Uh, and we're talking to parenting expert and coach, Julie Friedman Smith. So I say so many parents could have used it in the last couple of weeks, and I say that because school's out, right? And for some of us, that means our kids are in camps or our kids are in daycare, but here's one thing I know for sure, our kids are still home a whole heck of a lot more than they were when they were in school, probably. So from my experience, we had our kids, we gave them a week to like decompress after school and after uh, kinder prep for my daughter. And it was one of those things where I literally said on June 30th, we went hiking on the first day of school break with a friend and her kids. And I was like, do you know what? Next summer, I want to give my kids like the most idyllic summer that like I had as a kid. And, um, We are 10 days later and I was really excited to drop them off at camp this morning and not because I don't love them, not because they're not fabulous human beings, but they're in that like sibling rivalry bickering stage and holy moly, it took everything in me to apply so many of the skills that uh, Julie Friedman Smith shares in this episode on how to talk so your kids can listen which I did not always succeed at I will be totally honest Um, but also in how to you know manage conflict and conflict resolution uh, amongst each other it is a constant practice and what I definitely took away and I think you'll you'll feel this at the end of the episode was that it is just that constant practice this is not uh, you have one conversation and your kids get it and it's fixed and Suddenly, you know, they are angels to each other and are like, please and thank you. May I play with you? Absolutely. Like that does not happen overnight. It doesn't happen in 10 days. This is going to be a constant practice. But what I did take away from this episode in particular is the way in which we can and should be talking to our kids so that they can hear us. And I also took away that this doesn't just apply to kids right? I was so much more observant after talking to Julie about the way in which I communicate with the other loved ones in my life, with my partner, with my mom, with my friends. Like, am I giving our conversations the attention they deserve in the moment? Or am I waiting for other people to do the hard work? I I tell you, it was definitely a real aha moment. So I hope that you get out of this episode what I have. So if you're not a parent, this is maybe a week to skip, but don't worry. Next week, we're going to be back with a fantastic interview that applies to all folks. But we're joined today by Julie Friedman Seth, who is an author and nationally featured parenting expert. She tells it like it is, and she supports parents in creating a family life that fits everyone involved. So as you'll notice in the podcast, we talk about her community, her online community parenting break. So I've included a link to that in today's show notes. I highly recommend you check it out. And I've also included a link to her book, A Year of Intentional Parenting. So if if any of this resonates with you today in this episode, I do hope you check it out. And without further ado, let's head into the interview. Okay, well, thank you so much, Julie, for joining me on the podcast. I'm so pumped to have you here.
1: I'm really excited to be here. Thank you.
0: So I'm super curious, just from the get-go, how does one get into the realm of parenting support?
1: Well, I don't know how one does, but I can tell you how (laughs) I did. Yeah, (laughs) I don't know many people who do it. So here's the the shortest version of this long story. When I was at university, uh, one of my degrees is in psychology, and I ended up working in summers for a camp for kids with attention deficit disorder. And so the training for that program was a lot of clear communication, consistency, how we talked, how we helped those kids to set up good habits. And that really became a a foundation for the way that I worked with children across the board. So I was working as a children's choir conductor and then I became a music teacher And I carried those skills in, they really became my classroom management skills, which then when I was working uh, in teaching, I started teaching with a woman who then became my business partner, Gail Bell. And she and I noticed that within the school, people kept asking us if there were discipline problems or, or challenges with parents or teachers, they kept coming to us for how to, how to best support these kids. And we kept answering the same questions. So we thought we should just do a workshop on this and we did it and then the school down the street said hey could you come do that at our school and and we thought you know what if we want to have children and and be able to work for ourselves instead of working for a school we should build this company and so when we were on mat leave we built our company which was called parenting power and that existed for 18 years and we closed that in the summer of 2020 uh, during the pandemic kind of felt like it had come to its adulthood. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so we, we stopped working together, but we are still friends and, uh, and I have continued from there during that time. We really were, were so lucky because we ended up becoming parenting experts, uh, working with our local TV station and mm-hmm. provincial and local radio stations, and then nationally and, um, just continued to be able to share ideas with so many parents across the country Mm -hmm. so that was our path we wrote our book in 2013 a year of intentional parenting and uh oh yeah got it here got it here yeah got it here too and um wow so that that was kind of the journey and it's a continual journey so The interesting thing about being out on my own now since 2020 is that I've been able to incorporate some of the other things that I love and do. And um, uh, I'm a Tai Chi teacher. And so I've brought some of that groundedness and intention, like um, kind of finding our insides, connecting with our insides into what I do. And so have really uh, moved that into my practice so I now say that I help parents find their voice because I feel like that's about connecting with ourselves and it kind of incorporates the work that I do with the voice and helps parent help parents to figure out what to say when they don't know what to say and how to get kids to listen the first time so that's Mm -hmm. my journey
0: how to get them to listen the first time oh my gosh that is um I swear to God, it's the number one thing I say to my husband at nighttime. It's just like, I just wish they would listen to me more. And it's I think it's so hard for parents to understand because we're not the experts, right, of like what is developmentally appropriate or normal, for lack of a better terms. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, kids are kids, they're busy, they're running around, they're playing and it's hard to tell when they're just not hearing you genuinely or it's like there's a disconnect between the parent and the child, so they can't hear you or they right. choose not to hear you. Right. Like it's, I think we do, I, I speak for myself here. I think that's, that's a nope. big struggle. You're
1: speaking for
0: a lot yeah. of people. So I guess <laughs> we're going to go like off some
1: help. In yeah, I know.
0: I was going to go off on a tangent here. What's the Coles notes version of getting them to listen the first time.
1: <laughs> yeah. So the Coles notes version is, and it's it's okay. Here's just before we hit that Cole's note. So as a parent, are there time? Well, you don't even have to confess this. I will confess if my kids are yelling at me from a different floor in my house, Mm -hmm. I usually just ignore them and I make them come to me because I don't want to be screaming from the top floor to the bottom floor. And I don't want to pick myself up from what I'm doing and go down to them or go up to them. So I ignore them until they move. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's a human being thing, I think. Or maybe I'm the only parent who does that, but I don't think so. Um, Our kids do the same thing. So here's the Coles notes. Our kids don't listen because we've taught them not to listen. They know that if we holler at them from somewhere, they can pretend they didn't hear it until we go a little closer and they can pretend they didn't hear it until we're standing in front of them and our vein in our neck is bulging or we've turned off the computer or we're yelling at them or something which says this time listen
0: mm-hmm.
1: okay so we're calling them to come in for dinner but they're in the backyard or we're telling them across the playground to come but they're over there they can pretend they didn't hear us but when we're standing there holding on to them they need to actually know that we're talking and they'll do it so um instead of Instead of saying it four or five times and then getting to the communication of now is the time to listen, mm-hmm. we need to keep our mouth shut, go to the child and ask them once. And I like to say we're aiding our children to listen. So, A, get the child's attention, go to the child, get their attention, give the instruction. And then, so that's I. And then, D, direct them to do the thing. So if it is, uh, that you're calling them for dinner, go to them, get between them and their device or them and their toys or whatever it is. And maybe if they're playing and they're so distracted by what it's doing, put a hand on the shoulder, get eye contact and then say, it's time for dinner. Mm-hmm. And you might say, do you need help tidying up your toys or are you or, are you on it or or whatever it is? You might say, "It's dinner's in one minute, finish up what you're doing and come, depending on what your process mm-hmm. is. And then you direct them to do it. So are you coming or am I walking with you? So they learn, just like we've taught them, we will say it four or five times and then mean it. They start to relearn, I'm going to say it once and you're required to do it. So it means we do a lot less of Charlie Brown's mom. And we just, when we say something, we mean it. Mm-hmm. And of course, we're not angry at that point because we haven't been ignored the three or four times. So it, it kind of works better for everybody, but it is definitely a process. It's it's a change that we need to make. And I hope that makes sense. But does, do you have questions? No, about it does. That?
0: It, it strikes me as um that actions speak louder than words piece, right? That it's the Aww. like you have to actually show up in their face and like, you know, be on that level with them for them to understand. Like I'm definitely guilty of that. I'd never quite thought of it that way of I've been training my kids not to listen. Cause I ignore them too. Or I say, come to me. If like, you need to talk to me, like, I'm not going to respond to that. I do the exact same thing.
1: Yeah. And 75% of what kids learn from us is through our actions. So they're not listening. Like they're just not listening. And if we say one thing and do another, they're going to follow what we're doing, not what we're saying. So if we tell them to do something and then we don't follow through, they're not going to bother. And again, that's another way we teach them to ignore us. So we need to say less and be more intentional in, in that matching that saying and doing so that we can really teach the things that we want to, to, to teach.
0: Yeah, no, that's fascinating. I'm curious. Um a C- couple things going back to your introduction number 1 congratulations on 18 years in business for anyone i think is phenomenal so i did i, I did just want to say that before
1: i thank you yeah we before. had a lot of fun
0: yeah and it's just a huge milestone for any business right mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. that that's phenomenal but also you said you started this business while you were both on maternity leave mm-hmm. did i mean obviously it would have impacted your own parenting in some way but mm-hmm. did, was it a struggle In any way, because I know my sister-in-law runs a like a daycare nursery kind of thing in the UK. And I always said, oh, it must be so much easier for you having kids, you know, the right thing to say. And she's like, theoretically, but she's like, then you feel the guilt of like, if you don't say the right thing or do the right thing. Like, how was that for you in your like the experience parenting and then supporting parents? Is it different or is it the same?
1: I always I have mostly felt that it was really lucky because I was learning stuff. I mean, I I knew a lot of it already, as I said, before I had kids, but it's so different when you have kids, like you think, you know what it's going to be like, but you just don't. So I was really lucky to be able to dig into those challenges that I was having as a parent and use them to be able to inform other parents. Mm -hmm. So that had value. Um, But the place where it came back to bite me in the butt is um so my kids are now 20 and 24 so I'm I'm in theory through parenting but not so much yeah and um just when I thought it was safe like just when I thought I was done my kids had some real struggles and uh like into just into their teenage adulthood chunks of time and I went through a piece of time, and it didn't last long because luckily, I have good friends and family who kind of smacked me about. but i I found myself in this place of I could have done better. I should have done better. How can I call myself a parenting expert if this is the case? And, you know, that's such a normal feeling for a parent. Um, and like regardless of whether that's your job, like if, if your kids are going through something, it's very easy to, to blame oneself for it. Yes. When in reality, our kids' behavior has very little to do with us and it's our behavior that has to do with us. So, so this thing happened to my kid or this my child was experiencing this situation. And the real judgment of me as a parent was, okay, how am I responding to that now? And when I could step out of the sadness and grief and guilt and shock and shame and all those things and think about, okay, what am I going to do about it? How am I showing up? Then I actually think I did a really good job. Like looking back, I, I'm really pleased. And I, and I just went back to, like, I remember, I distinctly remember my husband and I saying, okay, it, if this was a client calling me, I would say, let's go back to our family values. What are the key things we've always taught our kids? let's start there and move forward and that's exactly how we went through it so in the end I was very lucky because I we just went back to basics um but I did have moments where I was like oh, "I suck you know as we but, all do as parents
0: well exactly I was gonna say it speaks to I think the um I think lack of compassion parents are having for themselves mm-hmm. and I mean I'll I'll say that for myself at mm-hmm, least mm-hmm. but like I think we are, we are so desperate for the tips and tricks and the information and the resources on how to be better parents, because we feel like we're getting it wrong. Mm -hmm. And if you were an outsider looking in, you'd probably say, oh, you're, you're doing pretty great. Kids are kids. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, that is the way it is, but we're so dang hard on ourselves. Um, I guess, what's your advice for parents to give themselves more compassion? How can they get out of that, like, being hard on themselves state and actually just enjoy time with their kids?
1: Well, I think feelings are feelings. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's something we just have to go through. Like, Like, you're really sad. And that sadness might be a combination of frustration and I don't know what to do and shame at not knowing what to do, which how can we possibly know? Cause we've never done this before. So, but like initially you're in that state and I think part of it is noticing that
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then being able to come back and show that compassion, right? But first of all, you even have to just realize you're there because sometimes you're just snowed under by the, by the emotions and those emotions have to happen. It's not like we like stop having emotions. No, have emotions, notice okay. them. And then, so what are we going to do about it? And, and that is really, that's parenting. That's life. In fact, I would say, okay, here I am. How can I help myself or who can help me? And how do I find the courage to ask? Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's a process of life right there. So, but I think it completely applies to parenting as well.
0: Well, and I think you've got this phenomenal community, right, that I think we need to talk to, talk about, because we were saying before we we got on the call, so many of parents just have that feeling of like, I'm alone in this, right? Mm -hmm. Or like, I don't want to share my secret shame of like the challenge I'm having with my kids because nobody else seems to be having, nobody else seems to be having this issue, but in reality they are. So can you talk a little bit about um, the community you've created? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Thank you for that opportunity so i've noticed over the 20 plus years that i've been working with parents this used to happen and then when um smartphones came into play like now i feel like an old woman like back in the day before smartphones this was happening but since smartphones this has happened even more which is this silo effect for parents this i'm the only one everybody else on my device looks like they've got it together we're talking to each other less and and of course covid enhanced that as well um you know we're not talking over back fences we're not we're not phoning our friends we're texting little snippets or we're seeing videos of people's lives and of course very curated uh, versions of people's lives and so there's this sense that I'm alone I'm the only one whose kids aren't listening I'm the only one whose kid just punched me in the face I'm I'm the only one who screamed at her kids for the third time in a row I can't believe I've done that what would the neighbors say kind of thing and so um that was part of I, I love the idea of community whenever I've done a, com- a, a community course or whenever I've done a group course in parenting One of the, my favorite things is the kind of bringing everyone together where someone has the courage to say, oh, this is happening to me. And suddenly everybody's, everybody goes, oh, me too, me too, me too, me too, me too. Ah, I'm not the only one. Wait, this is normal. So I love that. And so I, I'm a community kind of person. And so I decided I was going to build a community. And as I mentioned, I'm kind of bringing more of my Tai Chi world into things and uh, just helping parents to find the space inside themselves to connect with themselves so that they can connect with their kids and each other. And so I built this community. I started it in January. It's called Parent Break. And um, we meet every Wednesday morning from 9 till 9.30 Mountain Daylight Time on Zoom. But we record the calls. And I also have them on a Facebook page. So everybody can watch them at their leisure, whenever it makes sense for them to take a parent break. And it's a little opportunity to come together, we do a little bit of movement, Uh, I do a a meditation every week based on a theme, a parenting theme, then we have time for journaling. And then I share a parenting tip again, based on that theme. And then there's time for parents to talk and share, uh, share challenges and also celebrate successes. And so I, I really call it time space and community time for yourself space to hear yourself think and community to realize that we're all in this together so i welcome any of your listeners to join me and or if it's not for them but they know a parent who's really feeling alone um to to invite those those people to come it's free there's there's no catch i'm not trying to sell you anything it's free i just want people to come and realize that they're not alone
0: I love it, and we'll cl- include a link in the show notes today for fabulous.
1: People. Thank you. Yeah,
0: I like that you include a journal element because your your book, A Year of Intentional Parenting, has all of these jur- like journaling prompts in there or things for you to to focus on for the week ahead. Um, mm-hmm. I also really like the way it's it's broken down into it being a calendar year and not just like originally when I when I when you sent me the book, I was like, oh, it's going to be just like week one to week fifty-two. But I like that seasons actually play a big part in the book um, about like what does a calm summer look like and not just <laughs> like a chaotic summer because <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm going to be reading this chapter as we, uh, we head into the spring summer camps and all that good stuff, yeah. traveling with your kids, all of that, all of that stuff. And I also like the idea of because as I mean, parenting is just such a big topic, right? And it feels like you want to master it all at once and that's not possible right so like just breaking everything down into bite-sized chunks of like I'm going to notice and give attention to the this one piece this week I think is a really interesting uh interesting format
1: thank you it's about parenting with intention it's about yeah I can do one thing I might be able to do one thing this week yeah so how's it going to be every chapter is like two pages so like you can actually say oh i read a whole chapter of a book today because when you're a parent you don't have time often you don't have time to read and so yeah you can do it month or week by week but you can also look up the thing of traveling with kids or getting kids to listen or or whatever it is so it's it's Mm -hmm. when we wrote it we really wanted to point out the fact that we keep coming back and relearning these lessons. Parenting is not a straight line. And so you might read something, you might get back to it the next January and go, oh, this looks so different now. Or a few years down the road, oh, now that my kids are in school, this looks really different than it did when they were in preschool. But you just have an opportunity to consider, okay, how am I handling that now? What changes do I want to make? And how can we make this book grow with our parenting?
0: I love it. Yeah. And you're right. Everything hits a different note depending on what season you've just been through or what experiences you've had with your kids. Mm-hmm. I want to talk a little bit about like the elephant in the room being the pandemic. I know we talk <laughs> about being out of the pandemic yeah. in 2023 as we write this. And yet it feels for me as a parent like we're just in this different state. Like I'm, I'm curious what you're seeing with parents. Like, what are the different challenges we're seeing as parents post pandemic?
1: So I did a podcast with my buddy, Tim Sweet, uh, when we thought we were coming out of the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? <laughs> exactly. Like a year and a half ago, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Uh, about what's rotting in your fridge. And, and the reason that we did that is because I feel like the pandemic came, we shoved everything that was a parenting issue to the back of our parenting fridge and then we started to deal with the stuff that we were now dealing with in the pandemic and so as we were coming through the pandemic we were like dealing with the heat of the moment things then we get to the end of the pandemic but there's still all that crap rotting in the back of our fridge that is now like gone moldy it's still stuff like it's still the things about kids not listening and it's still the thing about screen time which of course shift our whole thinkings around (laughs) around screen time shifted during the pandemic thank god we had them and um so yeah there's just a lot of stuff and so so there's that is that we had a bunch of stuff we added a bunch of stuff on top and we're exhausted because we're all uh, this is my perspective of it anyway like just that was hard work and we persevered but now we've got two or three years of having persevered and being tired and just not having the energy and we've got the worry about what it did to our kids and what that looks like right now and we've got the screen thing yeah etc so it's there's a lot and it's really easy to just say i'm too overwhelmed i can't even do it I, i i can't i'm just whatever it's so easy to say that because it's true. <laughs> We're super overwhelmed. We're super stressed from it, right? And so that's true. And we have an obligation. So what are we going to do? What, what's the thing that we do need to do? What are five things that we would really love to see change over the course of this year? And then how do we dig into it? That's kind of the way I think about it. I know from talking to so many parents, social skills is a huge chunk that m- got missed mm-hmm. um during pandemic um and just play dates etc this whole concept of we slowed down our lives now our lives have sped back up and how do we keep control and how do we make a choice about what our family schedules look like mm-hmm. is a big part of it screens again um so th- yeah those are some of the th- things
0: yeah it's um yeah, it it does just feel like that compound exhaustion, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because it's not that we're just exhausted from parenting through a pandemic. It's we're exhausted mm-hmm. from the changes to our work life, to our own social lives as parents, to our health, to our whatever it is. Like it changed every aspect of our lives, some for better, some for worse. But that's a yeah. lot to go through and to and to process and and trying to find that time to regain energy. It's very difficult, right? Yeah, especially absolutely. as a parent. Right. Like we just went, um, I, I think a lot of we went, I was telling you on as bleh, for a five week trip as a family to the UK to see my husband's family. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, oh, my my friends who do not have children were like, oh, that sounds like an amazing vacation. And I'm like, it was a trip. I had children with me like it was amazing. It was an adventure memories that will last a lifetime. But mm-hmm. I was not on a beach kicking my feet up. Like <laughs> It no, was you were not. It was hard work, but, um, and, yeah. and that does very much feel like what the past few years have been like, right? For sure. Yeah. For sure. What do you think, you were talking about, like, some of those core things that we need to do going forward, and I think you touch on this a little bit at the beginning of the book of, like, these are the 10 things our kids need from us. Are any mm-hmm. of those more important in this, like, post-pandemic era, like, the the three or four things we need to focus on? that our kids need from us rather is, is how you frame it in the book. Some of the ones I'm thinking about are like our kids need our time and our presence. Like they've always needed it. And maybe they just need it more now.
1: Yeah. I think what, I think it's really easy to judge ourselves and be shameful about what we're not doing. Mm -hmm. And if I give somebody a list of things they should be doing and it's not in their priority, Mm -hmm. I think it adds to their shame. So that is certainly not my intention and, and I'm not going to do that. And I think the, the a way to proceed is to start to consider and maybe take some time and maybe it's when you're on a walk or maybe it's when you're on a date night or maybe, I don't know, it's when you're on a car trip and the kids are asleep in the backseat. Mm-hmm. What are the things, what are the things, what are those things, kitchen table things that you just talked about? My mm-hmm. husband and I always talk about at night start to make a list of those things and then go through those things and prioritize. And what, like, what are the key things you wish you were doing differently? What do you want? What do you want? And I wouldn't choose the most important one to start with. Yeah. Yeah. I would choose something kind of mid list. So maybe find the top five or the top seven and start with three or four. Mm -hmm and see if you can then say, okay, this is what I want. And so this is what I want. This is where we are now. Uh, how, how close are those things together? Mm-hmm. Because sometimes what we want is so unrealistic that we're shooting ourselves in the foot. Um, and so we, we have these high expectations and this very low reality and the distance between them is actually guilt. and, um, and it's, it it doesn't really work. So how can we be realistic? How can we set a realistic goal to get just a little bit closer to what we want? And what does that look like? Does it look like setting aside a time and space to work on that? Does it look like checking in with somebody to find out what the plan's going to be? I do that with families all the time. That's one of the the key ways that I do it. And I, I've just actually introduced this new uh, two week pocket coaching package. So we pick one or two things and I do a coaching with the family and I said here's the plan now for the next two weeks you have access to me by texting me anytime during those two weeks and I can help you to stay on top of it Mm -hmm. so that we can really change a habit so that's one of the the things it's just what are the tiny little steps you're going to put into place to move the needle on that thing don't worry about the rest of them let's move the needle on that and let's get the family involved in how that's going to look Or maybe you say there are two or three things that you want to do, and then you bring the kids together and you say, of all of these things, which one do you think is the most important? And they want to work on X. Great. How do we do that? And how do we come together as a family to move that? And that's great because then we're building teamwork within our family. We're sending that message to our kids that we believe in them and we want to hear what they have to say. They can be problem solvers here too. And we're working as a team towards something, setting a goal. Figuring out the baby steps to get to that goal, noticing the effort, and, uh, and really moving as a family through the challenges that we're facing.
0: And I love the focus of it not being the highest stake item, And because when you can bring it down and take those little steps, you build your confidence as well. And I think that's exactly. what a lot of us parents need, is more confidence in our skill yes. sets, in, in, our, in our values, and the way that we're showing up with our kid, and less um, beating up on ourselves because there's plenty of that in the world, right? The Plenty of society telling us all the ways we're screwing it up. We need to be a little kinder to ourselves in the process.
1: Yeah. Um, Einstein said, and I didn't actually talk to him about this, but I've heard it said that Einstein said, no problem can be solved with the mindset in which it was created. So there are times where we can be like, oh yeah, we just need to have better bedtimes. And like, it's very clear to us. But there are other times where we just don't know what to do differently. But guess what? There are other people who do. So you might have the courage to ask your sister-in-law or your friend. If it doesn't fit with your values, don't do it their way. It needs to be something that aligns with your values. Or come to parent break and ask me a question. There's 15 minutes for you to ask me whatever question you want for free. Ask me how to do it. So, you know, there are, there are so many ways to just have all of a sudden this insight into, oh, like the listening thing, right? Like we talked about at the beginning of this podcast, no, maybe you never thought about it that way. Now yeah. that I've pointed it out to you, oh, now I'm in a different mindset. Now I can watch for that and make the shift. Mm-hmm. And so that's really, you know, that's what gets me going is watching people's eyes go, oh, now it is possible. Yeah. That, that just fills me up. So, yeah, if you're not sure how to do it yourself, ask somebody because, uh, but at the same time, it's super easy to get stressed out by deciding that you need to research something so thoroughly that you're going to research it for, you know, a month and a half. And then you're just as stuck because you've got so many different ways that you can't figure out how to do it. Yeah. So, you know, give, put some boundaries in place.
0: Yeah.
1: Ask a few people, ask three people and figure it out as opposed to saying I can't actually act until I've read every possible piece of advice on this. That is so stressful.
0: Yeah, analysis paralysis, right?
1: Exactly, yeah.
0: So one of my last questions that I had for you was around problem solving, right? Mm-hmm. Essentially like so much of parenting, whether it is like parent with child or sibling to sibling is that problem solving and working through how to to resolve issues. Um, it, and yeah, I also feel like we've talked about this throughout the conversation, right? Like the, you can't solve a problem in that heated state, mm-hmm. or you can't, you can't solve the root of the issue, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can you can calm down some of the behaviors and yeah. mirror those affectations. What about like sibling to sibling? Because <laughs> that sometimes feels like World War Three is going on in the other room.
1: Yeah, for sure. So I don't want to sound like a broken record, and yet I think you'll probably hear some overlap Mm -hmm. in what I'm saying. But when we talk about sibling rivalry, which is so normal, by the way, Mm -hmm. so incredibly normal, and it makes sense that it happens all the time because we have these two individuals or three individuals, however many siblings there are, that are kind of in the same space having to deal with each other so oftentimes you know in a classroom situation or a friendship situation if we have a friend that is just rubbing our kid the wrong way we say things like you know what be polite be respectful but stay away from that person Mm -hmm. but then to a sibling we say hey that person that drives you crazy we're going on a five-week trip to europe with them (laughs) gang gang right like let's go so um that felt so pointed (laughs) (laughs) well but we do it all the time go play with your brother yeah 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 be nice to them yeah Yeah. and so we need to just be aware but and also that sibling relationship is so fantastic because it allows kids to learn how to handle situations where people are different and feel differently and behave differently and respond and react differently right so that's great training ground for all the different relationships that we're going to have in our lives so um we need to be aware that we're not assigning roles when we walk in there to deal with whatever's happening. Mm -hmm. Because oftentimes in the family, it seems like there's one kid who's the instigator or there's one kid who's really mean. And there's one kid who plays the role of victim. Mm -hmm. And then we come in and reinforce. So we come in and say to the quote villain, there you go again. You're always so mean to her. Why are you doing this? That is not fair. You know, better than that. And then we turn to the quote unquote victim and we say, Oh my gosh, it happened to you again. That's so, you know, that's not nice. He shouldn't be that way to you or she shouldn't be that way to you. Right. So we reinforce those rules. Then the kids are like, Hey, (laughs) you know, if they were, if they were had a name tag on to be, hi, my name's Mm -hmm. John. I'm the villain. And hi, my name's Bob. I'm the victim. And we don't want to set our kids up to be either of those things, but it's really easy just in our day-to-day lives to be doing that. Mm -hmm. And so when we walk in, really, it's about noticing the situation. Mm -hmm. Wow, two kids are fighting. Let's pause. Or, oh, I'm hearing a lot of noise. Or, wow, I'm hearing words that are hurtful. Or getting in there and separating the kids if they're mm-hmm. together, right? The very first thing you do is you get in there and keep everybody safe. And you can say, we need to keep everybody safe and just separate them. Hmm. Calm, like breathe. <laughs> and then you have an opportunity to teach problem solving. And that might be a minute in, or it might be 10 minutes later. Like mm-hmm. everybody go to your rooms. I'm setting the timer for 10 minutes. We will work this out. Mm-hmm. Um and then we come back and and we kind of do the facts and feelings. So you tell me your version you tell me your version this is not about figuring out which version was right in most situations both are true interesting <laughs> in the case, okay. right yeah uh and we all know that there's more than one truth yeah you know he punched me no i didn't punch you i tripped and my hand fell into your face <laughs> could possibly be true could possibly yeah. be true yeah um, or the child is lying because they want you to believe that they're good because typically in a, situ- in a sibling situation, they usually feel like we like the other one more yeah. than we like them. And so if they admit to be, to doing something bad, then we're not going to love them anymore. And so they're trying to convince us of the thing, mm-hmm. whatever it is, because they just want everything to be okay. Yeah. So really it's about often I'll say this to each child. What are you feeling? What do you need? Mm -hmm. I really, really want to play with that truck and I feel like he keeps playing with it. Okay, what are you feeling? What do you need? Well, he's had the truck all morning and I just decided I needed to take it. I want a chance with the truck. Okay, cool. So I'm hearing that both of you want a chance with the truck. So again, we're not saying you're mean, you're horrible, yeah. you're a victim. We're just narrating. We're kind of sports casting the situation, yeah. and then you know, in the olden date, in the olden days, one way that might have looked in our parents' time was, "That's it, nobody gets the truck." Yeah, <laughs> and <laughs> That's occasionally how it is in my house. Too. Yeah, for sure, for <laughs> yeah. sure. But that doesn't teach any solutions yeah. other than that the parent has all the power and right. and powerful people take things away which is probably what got us into that situation in the first place because one kid was taking the truck from another because they were exerting their power so if we can say okay let's put the truck over here how do we work together to figure out a way that both people get to play with the truck what do you think anybody have any suggestions now a two-year-old is not going to have this Mm -hmm. capacity but a three or four-year-old might and also um you might have some suggestions too, but wait and ask and see
0: Yeah, what
1: they think. And then you might say, well, can we set up a schedule? Mm-hmm. How could we do this? Mondays, you, Tuesdays, you, or um, mornings, you and afternoons, the other one, or how do we do this? And they may come up with a solution that is absolutely ridiculous in your mind, but if it makes sense to them, write it down and give it a try.
0: Mm-hmm. Empower them.
1: Yes, Mm -hmm. and try it. Just try it. And so then the next time they're going back into that situation where you're letting them play on their own in that same room with the trucks, you're going to set them up. Help me to remember how we decided we were going to handle this. Whose turn is it today? So you're asking them some questions instead of standing at the door and saying, Now, remember what we decided with the trucks. You're going to do this, you're going to do that, which is just like blah, 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 blah. And then they go, okay, mom, but they weren't listening to you at all. They just wanted you to shut up so that they could go play with the truck. When we ask them, okay, what are you gonna do? And then what are you gonna do? And if this starts to go badly, how are you going to communicate it without a fight? What can you say? Mm -hmm. And so giving them those tools to do it differently and setting them up for success and you know, five minutes, leave them for five minutes and see how it's working or Mm -hmm. 10 minutes. And if you have that little voice inside your head that goes, wow, this has been going on for so long. I'm really shocked that a fight hasn't started yet. Get in there and notice it. Yeah. Because most of the time sit or often sibling rivalry happens because they need attention. Like they're, they want to get our attention. And the best way to get us back in is to do yeah. something bad. So if you go in and give them attention for things working well, yeah. Then you've, that and then you can just notice you can you can go in and notice you guys are working really well together this plan makes sense we are a good team high fives yeah let's go let's go to the park
0: i love it so much good stuff packed into this hour. Um, I could thank ask you. you a million more questions, but I think what we'll do is we'll end with some rapid fire. But seriously, okay. thank you for your time and your your parenting wisdom.
1: My pleasure. Um,
0: as this is called the Stop Stressing Me Out podcast, I'm really curious, what are like three random small things stressing you out this week?
1: I'll tell you what I woke up thinking about this morning. was. <laughs> yeah. So at the, at, the, at the time of recording this, we're just heading into the May long weekend. And I was thinking, awesome, Monday is a holiday. And then I was thinking, Monday is a holiday, which means I've got to get all the things that I normally do in my business on a Monday, somehow done either between now and Friday, or I have to come in to work a little bit on a Monday, or I need to squash it all into Tuesday. How am I going to make that work? So that's the first thing, which is so ridiculous because why is a holiday stressing me out? But it is because I do a lot of prep on Monday. So that was one thing. Uh, what's another thing that is stressing me out? I, I had a concert last night and, um, it was awesome. And I woke up this morning and I was so tired Yeah. and I, I was like, huh, apparently at 53 performing at night hits me differently than <laughs> it did at 43 or whatever. Yeah. And so again, that was a little bit stressful because I'm like, oh my gosh, and I've got a concert in two weeks and I've got yeah. this and how am I going to do um, but, and for me, often one of those things, and this is not what you asked me, but whenever I hit those moments of, oh, darn it, this is more stressful than I thought it was going to be, then my next question is, so what am I going to do about it? Yeah. And so for me, now I need to do some planning around that and look into the next few concerts that I have coming up and pat- built that padding into my schedule. Yeah. I don't know. The third thing is probably my kids. Yeah. Um, how can I honor their adulthood? And, um, like how much support do I need to give them? How much do I sit back and just listen? That's always a question. Mm -hmm. That's always a question. And I do better at it, but I'm, it's always just playing somewhere in the back of my head.
0: Well, thank you for sharing. So I think it helps normalize for everyone, the, all the stresses we go through, uh, real quick, what's your favorite parenting resource? If you had to pick just one. Me. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
1: I have so many books that I love, depending on the on the topic. Yeah, I'm happy to let people know I have lists of books. People are welcome to ask me. I'm I'm happy to suggest.
0: Perfect, and I'll I'll share how people can connect with you in the show notes. Please. yeah. And finally, what are the, like the best three things that you do to manage your own stress?
1: I meditate, mm-hmm. uh, and it, and it's not perfect meditation. It's just what I do. I practice tai chi. I teach it as well. So I do that a lot and I get the right amount of sleep. Mm -hmm. That for me is number one sleep. And I hang out with the people that I love. Like I'm really lucky to have lots of wonderfully loving people around me, which is just fun.
0: Amazing. Well, thank Mm -hmm. you so much, Julie, for your time and sharing your expertise with us.
1: My pleasure. Thanks for having me.